a Better World. This is your host, Mitchell J. Rabin, and I'm very glad you're joining us again today. Today, we are going to have a different show than was originally put out and promoted because of a last-minute change in plan of the presidential candidate for the Green Party, Dr. Jill Stein. She is just been on the road like mad lately doing so much and which is really good news being called in many different directions including by media national media that have been wanting to engage her so uh, in addition to a last minute trip to Louisiana uh, to meet with people there who are on the ground doing what they can to help the victims of the flooding that has been taking place there en masse. She just, I learned from her press director just a little while ago that she was not well and not prepared for coming onto the show just now. Her apologies, but she will be back to A Better World Radio and very likely TV rather soon. So please accept my apology for not bringing you Jill Stein back again to these airwaves for today, but she will be back soon. And in fact, if you go to our archives at www.abetterworld.tv, you can just put her name into the search engine or just at Radio Archive, just scroll down a wee bit. She was in... uh, our uh she was i mean on just this past april around mid april as she was going back to april of 2012 when she first ran for the presidential office through the green party then april 2012 so you will learn a lot by tuning into those. And we will spend a little time right now looking at the Green Party platform, which is, in my mind, really the only sane one across the board in a consistent way that is out there. And right now, we are going through quite the paces with the Democratic and Republican nominees who are causing so much turmoil in our country. You know, as part of the Hippocratic Oath, there is one essential tenet, and that is do no harm. Now, that goes for not just people who are practicing medicine and healing of any sort, But even for the body politic, it goes for all human life and interaction. Do no harm. Now, sometimes you don't know whether you are doing harm or not. You have to use your own objective and subjective sensibility as best we can, our own sense of moral compass to make those determinations. But within some reasonable scope, we can probably navigate quite well. Well, it appears that our two main candidates 
either don't have much moral compass or they're not really able to discern when and when they are not doing harm to the public. And I think an argument could be made that a tremendous amount of harm, of disillusionment, of deep concern from lack of integrity uh, in both parties um, has caused this electoral system tremendous harm and our country overall serious harm as well. It's true because you cannot lie to the populace. You're in trouble when lying to we the people and the lies flow out like water. It is awesome and daunting how easily and fluidly they flow from the mouths of, uh, of these two primary candidates. And that begs the question, why are not the third-party candidates, the independent candidates, more popular? Well, it's quite interesting. Because the more fault lines and fractures that show up in both respective parties, if not always respectable, respective, Republican and Democrat alike, the more room there is for independent thinking, curiosity, and wondering who else is out there? Who else may I take a look at? Who else may I consider giving my sacred vote to? And that, my friends, is beginning to show up on a national stage so that the likes of Dr. Jill Stein is not simply showing up on shows such as Democracy Now! and PRN, Progressive Radio Network, and A Better World, and others of similar ilk, of which there are thankfully many, not enough, but many, and our audiences are growing, I would like to be able to say swelling, but certainly they are growing, both nationally and internationally. So a shout out to all of you from other countries, UK, all over Europe, Australia, South Africa, China, everywhere, Russia, We are deeply grateful for your participation through your listening to A Better World because what we cover here is the world. It's not some kind of domestic show. Um, Appreciate America and the United States as I do. We are uh, engaged in a different kind of identity. It's really a planetary one. It stretches far beyond anything called national borders, although we still live in a world that is very identified with said borders. We at this show go far beyond that, far beyond. As you know, those of you who listen with any regularity really, really know that. But coming back to home and back to our particular electoral process, there are fissures, there are cracks and fractures occurring by the day with the number of FBI investigations over on the Democratic side and the 
utter, complete changing of everything over on the Republican side, including new insults to whomever, new management, everything going on over with Mr. Trump. So this game is not over, folks. This game is not over as much as each candidate would like to think it is. It is not. And I've been saying this for a long time. Life in general, and as a result, this election is precipitous. It is unpredictable. It is ever-changing. And that can be said about this election more than perhaps any other election, certainly during my years of voting. And I just engage you all to keep that open-minded and open-hearted idea alive because that allows the space on every single level, the noosphere and the morphogenetic fields, that a person with the integrity, the dignity, the common sense, the sanity, the reason, the peaceful heart, the scientific mind, yet a spiritual aliveness of a Dr. Jill Stein could literally rise up to the presidency. Ah, bah humbug, you may say. You know, well, that's just a function of very ordinary habituated thinking, my friends. Please, let's be a bit more creative and a bit more visionary. Now, it's true, those of you who have heard me speak about these subjects before know that I was very much aligned with Bernie Sanders and rooting for him. And it wasn't because I didn't think that Jill Stein was actually with a platform far beyond Bernie's. That's not true. I have been very much behind Jill for a long time, in fact, and the Green Party overall. It represents the values of a better world. And Jill is its current main spokesperson. But even before that, I was a great fan of the Green Party. And the Green Party is very popular just across the pond in Europe and has been for decades. So we want to expand our perspective and historical appreciation of high-minded, big-hearted values that put people and planet first, far beyond money and power. Money and power should be in service to people and planet, and then we're all on the same page. It's not really that complicated. So in this election cycle, yes, I did begin with Bernie because he just plain old stood the best chance of winning being inside the corporatocracy. You know, I didn't like that he was running as a Democrat, but that was his choice. And within that structure, I was supporting his candidacy. And I very much believe to this day, had he stayed with it, and not conceded, we would have had a very different convention. 
it would have been not just contested, it would have been hotly contested. Way over 13 million people are so much behind him, or were, and there was so much obvious, provable fraud that came out literally days before the convention about the way the DNC, through Debbie Wasser, uh, Schultz Wasserman, threw her power completely illegally and unethically and injudiciously behind Hillary Clinton. And as president of the DNC, you simply don't get to do that. That is not in the cards. It's not legit. But that doesn't stop them. And then they were found out. And all they could talk about was who leaked it, or not even that, but who hacked it. Ha ha, it must have been the Russians, indeed. They didn't look at the content of what was released and revealed. They looked at who done it, as though this is some kind of Sherlock Holmes mystery. We don't really care so much about who done it. We care a whole lot more about understanding what was said in those emails that demonstrated what we all knew anyway was that this whole thing was thrown at the very beginning. And so heads did not roll. She very quietly resigned the post the day or so before the convention, spoke at the convention, and a week later was hired by Hillary Clinton to work on her team. So the level of corruption, the lack of any judicial integrity regarding this situation is so severe. It shows that we are way, way closer to what we so often criticize as a third world nation than we are a first world leading democratic nation. Sad as it is, that's the uncomfortable, or as Al Gore would say, inconvenient truth. Shall I speak about Al Gore and how this, the election was stolen from him and that also had he not conceded, he would have most likely won the Oval Office because the data was literally on his side and the Supreme Court had no jurisdiction, none, to make that decision, to put, literally select G.W. Bush. It's what we call an inside job. And the American people, well, many of us clamored, the powers that be just finessed it through. Again. That's right. Again. And here we are witnessing the same thing, you know, as Yogi, Berry's, Yogi Berra said. It's uh, the future just ain't what it used to be, and it's deja vu all over again. <laughs> you betcha. You betcha. <clears throat> so, Jill Stein and third-party candidacy is truly gaining momentum right now. And 
this is so beautiful to see for so many reasons. Even if you do not embrace her platforms and her perspectives and values, that's your choice. It's a democratic choice. At least you are now, due to these fractures in the system, you are able to hear what she has to say in national fora. And that just hasn't been the case. It's so clear that CNN and the rest of cable television are mere lapdogs of the RNC and the DNC. It's just outrageous. There is hardly a real journalist among them. This is all about money and power, folks. And uh, Paul Craig Roberts on Gary Knoll's show just a week ago spoke about this point directly and uh, with, with passion, convivo. He was brilliant about outlining the relationships. It was almost like a Venn diagram. Who controls who? Who controls who? Sort of like nested Russian eggs, all smaller and smaller components of a larger whole that really call the shot. So things are not now according to script. There was a federal judge a woman, I believe, who had the courage, many say from the inside, the audacity, to say that Hillary Clinton should not basically be party, subtext, to the typical two-tiered justice system, but should be standing up to interrogation by the FBI once again this time having to do with her position as Secretary of State and the Clinton Foundation and what appears to be an unholy alliance. You know, many of us have known this. There's some ways of knowing things, you know. On one hand, you can know factually with evidence that you have actual in-hand documentation of such, such matters. Another is through the experience of observation over and over again, seeing similar patterns. This is what we do as therapists and counselors. We identify patterns. And through that process, we can discern and then begin to intuit a certain kind of relationship. And when we then become empathic and put ourselves into these people's shoes that are all behind closed doors, we can pretty much piece together what goes on. And they have the shield or the veil that says, who, me, moi, I would be doing such nasty Deeds while Secretary of State? No, pa moi, you have the wrong person. Or did the president know in advance of what was happening in Nicaragua during the Reagan administration? Or did Nixon know of what was happening in Watergate? You bet, he orchestrated it. Or as Ralph Nader said, about um, 
um, the uh, whole deal in Iraq and whether they had chemical weapons and the like. He said, we know they had it. We have the bills. <laughs> We've got the invoices. They bought them from us. Of course they had them. Anyway, this is the kind of thing that certain offices, you know, G.W. Bush about Iraq and about, you know, yellow cake and all of that and uh, weapons of mass destruction. Did he know or did he not? And everybody goes, well, could the president have known? Had it, was it able to go up that high in the hierarchy? Come on, folks. Don't kid yourselves. The president. He's a man. He's just a human being subject to all the flaws and weaknesses all of us are subject to. And that is talking behind another's back. That is subject to rumor, subject to gossip, all of it. So don't kid yourself for a second thinking that things aren't known at the top. And the veil is been rendered asunder. So let's come back to something that's actually more important than the past in these kinds of details. But it's good that the veil be rendered asunder. And let's come back to uh, the fact that Jill Stein and Gary Johnson are both gaining steam in the national panorama of this presidency. And what with what is going on with the current investigations today, and that Trump has about 0 to 1% of the black vote, and other such funny, just virtually comical statistics, it shows that the independent candidates are really gaining leverage. And this is very, very exciting. Now, I'm not going to go into a comparative analysis of both parties. I'm not. I'm going to say one thing about the differences between them, to me, is so important. Let's be honest. The Libertarian and uh, Party and Gary Johnson have some very good perspectives they bring forward and very good things to say. In my opinion, there are good things. However, there are several breaking points, deal-breaking points, that are so huge. For me, it's not even a consideration. In fact, it kind of comes down to one in particular that is so severely in contrast with the values of a better world and the values of the Green Party that it's not even any type of contest. And I want to invite you all to look at it from this point of view, with all due respect to your own opinions and ways of discernment. But that revolves or devolves to a subject that I have covered on this show many, many times, and that's the trade agreements that are not trade agreements at all. They are power grabs, unadulterated power grabs, and it's scary when you actually look at the text, which has been secret and held hidden for most of this time only now, thanks to Julian Assange et al., has come out in full technicolor for all to see. 
those who would bother to take a look. And it shows in an unmitigated fashion that this is not about promoting trade between countries. It's about divisiveness. It's about fear. And it's essentially a global corporate takeover of sovereign nations. Yeah, in a sentence, that is what's going on. Lori Wallach, Ralph Nader, many others, a number of of, uh, very highly credentialed people that I have had on this show have spoken eloquently about the serious dangers of the TPP and the Atlantic Trade Agreement and everything that shows up on the... um, on the uh, stage as a trade agreement is not a trade agreement. And the Clintons, of course, were so uh, much the cheerleader and the crafters of NAFTA. And we have seen to this day the dangers this has wrought on our own economy and on other economies. It's just, it's not for the public good. Jill Stein knows this in spades. It's not a discussion. It doesn't merit any consideration once the text is read and you understand that this is against the people. It's against our environmental regulations, even though I believe they should be even much more robust than they are today, and our FDA regulations much more robust than they are today. Those are other conversations. But the point is that Upsetting as it is what those standards are for many of us today, they are a far cry better than a lot of other standards looked at across the world. And we would lose all of them if they were deemed to be in the way of corporate corporate profiteering. That's what we are dealing with. And the United States government, in this case, would be suable for what was perceived to be lost profits of the corporations that are party to the agreements and the nations that they are part of. It is not to be believed how awful these things are. We would lose virtually, no, everything that has been so hard won for decades to protect our environment, to help to protect the safety of workers, to protect uh, incomes and minimum wages. Do you know that France just sued Egypt based on another kind of WTO type of agreement that's already in place for the fact that Egypt wanted to raise the minimum wage? France, its own independent sovereign nation, was able to take up time and energy of the Egyptian courts to sue the government for their internal, sane decision to increase a minimum wage. That, my friends, is but the tip of the iceberg of what we would have in store crazy, of course, that Obama is its greatest cheerleader, but so it goes. Now, another layer below is that you'll note that China and Russia are not, have not been invited to this party. 
this GPP party or the others for that matter because there is a lot of stress in the system because Russia and China and India are gaining an economic strength and the United States doesn't like it. Not the people, but the government and those who control the government, which are so very obviously the multinationals. So there you have it. It's economic warfare. When are we going to get over this whole idea of war on every level? Economic war, military war, wars on poverty, wars on drugs. It's cyber war. Isn't it time for us to neutralize, to grow up and upgrade our human values to the level of peace and peacefulness and well-being? You know, someone who does the work that I do is aware of the neurophysiology of conflict, tension, and stress. And conversely, I'm very aware of the health benefits, the health-giving, supporting benefits, life-affirming benefits of feeling gratitude and love and a sense of dignity and respect and self-appreciation. The neuronal uh, profile just explodes with these latter and implodes virtually with the former. The hormonal profile changes again dramatically to the good with the latter on the levels of love and joy and respect and honor and dignity and living a life of integrity and love of other, love of self, appreciation, respect, my God, it's through the roof. It's like time for bliss. That's right. Everything flows better. Oxygenation of the blood, reduction in cortisol in the blood, shifts on every single level. Immunoglobulins change so that the immune system is functioning at a higher level, even without eating healthy food and taking vitamin C from our emotions our attitudes, our physical body strengthens. So if you want to know a really good way of developing a healthcare system, it's to understand these fundamental mind-body principles that actually uh, govern us. But you wouldn't learn that from the health care. How dare we say that? It's a disease maintenance system, and we all know it, and we've known this for decades. This is old news. Well, let's turn our attention to Jill Stein for a moment again and appreciate the platform that she puts forward for this, having to do with health care, funny phrase, but nonetheless, establish an improved Medicare for all single-payer public health insurance program to provide everyone with quality health care at huge savings. Now, I know that she is a holistically oriented physician and thinker, and so even though 
there need to be provisions for all sorts of medical care and hospital care and all of that, the first provision, I don't doubt, would involve self-care, people taking good care of themselves before they go to a doctor. This is the way to stay healthy. It's usually to stay away from a doctor, you know. Eat lots of apples. Take good care. Drink copious amounts of water, preferably lemon water. There are just simple, inexpensive measures that we can all take. Exercise, sleep well and deeply and plentifully. Uh, engage in healthy, good relationships with, e- with others. Maintain integrity. Laugh a lot, love a lot, have plenty of sex. We know what this looks like on a physiological graph. And we know that each of these items contributes to a truly robust state of health. And because I don't have Jill on with me this moment, I cannot completely say that she would be on board with that, but based on prior dialogues with her, she would be, and she would be able to add to that profile that I just laid out. Another that she speaks of is, I think, fantastic, called a Green New Deal. Create millions of jobs. By the way, this is taken from her website, triple.jill2016.com forward slash plan. But just go to that website, jill2016.com. Create millions of jobs by transitioning to 100% clean renewable energy by 2030 and investing in public transit, sustainable agriculture, and conservation. Well, all of you know that we wholly support that that I have sought to have Van Jones on a few times, and uh, we just uh, missed that. But we'll, we'll get him to come on eventually. And this whole idea of a green-collar society, a green-collar economy, he was talking about this 10 or 15 years ago. And uh, no doubt Jill was as well. But those of us who are in the green world, so to speak, uh, have realized that this is where the economy needs to head, not more oil and more gas and more fossil fuel and more coal and more of the same. It's dug this ditch that we're in right now with climate change and global warming that we're not going to be able to actually fully come out of. The damage has already been done to such an extent that while there's much we can do to mitigate we ain't going to have the same level of, of ecosystemic stability as we once had. We just, it's really irreversible, some of the damage that has, done, has been done. So Jill is right on about this again. Jobs as a right create living wage jobs for every American who needs work replacing unemployment offices with employment offices. Hello, good thinking. Advance workers' rights to form unions, achieve workplace democracy, and keep a fair share of the wealth they create. Now, 
there have been some major uh, improvements in this regard in this country on local levels, and it doesn't get much publicity, but there are an increasing number of worker-owned cooperative businesses, and they are for profit, but the workers themselves are essentially, they don't use the word shareholders these days, they use the word stakeholders, I like both, but nonetheless, uh, they are participating in the profits, not just a flat salary, sort of a locked-in, locked-down, kind of almost dead-end place where the fat cats reap all of the benefits. So this is actually happening on a ground level, and there are a number of initiatives that are happening countrywide about this on the ground, I'm very glad to say. I will also say that I, perhaps a little too naively, but I'm going to say it anyway, believe in a world that could work wherein the top, the captains of industry would actually uh, be very so open to the workers that there actually wouldn't be a need for unions. That's the world I am interested in creating, that the humanity of the different roles we all play are all respected. I remember in Michael Moore's film, uh, Capitalism, A Love Story, he interviewed the CEO of a company out on the West Coast who had his office on the manufacturing floor, and he makes the same amount of money as the others do as well, uh, the workers, because they're all in it together. And it's known that each contribution, while different, is absolutely needed. So it gets pretty interesting when you change your mind about how to think about these things. It also can open up the heart. So there are any number of different kinds of values that accrue and benefits that accrue from a new form of thinking about what is possible. In short, it creates space. Ending poverty, going back to the key points of the Power to the People plan put forth by the Green Party and their presidential candidate, Dr. Jill Stein. Guarantee economic human rights, including access to food, water, housing, and utilities with effective anti-poverty programs to ensure every American a life of dignity. How proper, how appropriate, and for a presidential candidate to be saying this, how cool. You know, to my more libertarian friends, of which I have a few, I say who believe in this idea of small government. Big, small, why is that a consideration? How about effective government? Let's talk effective, whether it's small, large, or medium. Let's talk about a government that actually does its job, which is serve the people, and not be functioning as a self-interested entity in its own, of its own. How absurd. Why would we, the people, want to pay taxes into a system that is simply interested in perpetuating itself? In fact, at our expense, and that's what has gone on. So when you start to cut deeper into 
the ludicrousness of our current system, you can see how pathological it has become, self-serving and self-interested, which in this case is actually a pathology because it's a form of narcissism. It's governmental narcissism. Now, it should also be said, in all fairness, there are people in government. Government is huge in the State Department, in the Pentagon even, certainly everywhere else, that are extremely good-hearted, that are extremely selfless, and into a government that works for all. They are there. They just don't get much visibility. They don't get much voice. And unfortunately, they don't have enough power. But they are there. Believe in the old model of government that is actually there to serve the people. You could say, well, when when did that go on? Ever in this country? Yeah, there were periods. There were periods. And it's more than that. It's proportional. More people or less people at any given time period. Because the troubles really began to brew of self-interest. Yeah, honestly, at the beginning. That's a whole other conversation. But coming back to the present, I want to just further go on a little bit more about the planks, can I say, the platform of the Green Party. Protect Mother Earth. This is so precious to me and so much of the work that I do when I'm not wearing my media hat or my therapist, coach, stress management consultant hat. I am actually working on large-scale global projects uh, having to do with creating a renewable environment, a renewable society. It's very interesting stuff, very interesting, having to do with electricity generated through micro-hydro projects all over Africa, having to do with bringing water to drought-ridden areas and electricity through some very interesting means. And it's uh, rather wind turbines to Japan to replace nuclear You know, there are projects I could just say I am part of and helping to promote on a number of different levels. And if anyone is interested in partaking in any number of different ways, including as equity holders, you can certainly feel free to contact me as you would contact me about commenting on these shows at mjr at abetterworld.net mjr at abetterworld.net, which is my direct personal email address, or the phone, 212-420-0800, 212-420-0800. So I very much appreciate what Jill has to say on this, and that is this. Lead on a global treaty to halt climate change. End destructive energy extraction, fracking, tar sands, offshore drilling, oil trains, mountaintop removal, uranium mines. Protect our public lands, water supplies, biological diversity, 
parks and pollinators, label GMOs, and put a moratorium on GMOs and pesticides until they are proven safe. Protect the rights of future generations. Protect the lives of future generations because they're going to be awfully hybrided if things keep going this way with Monsanto and DuPont and Syngenta and the others continuing to get their way with our food and our seeds and everything else. It's just preposterous what has happened. And the sickness has been spelled out over and over again. We see that the lure of money changes people's minds. Some people's minds. It needs to be said. It's sad, but true. And common sense flies out the window, and another type of person emerges. And it has happened over and over again. We saw it, unfortunately, with Obama. And the power of money swaying him this way and that. So the man who ran for president and the man who then occupied the office were two entirely different men, weren't they? I mean, the guy that I heard stand up at the convention after he won the candidacy, wow, sounded like quite a mensch to me, not quite the same one who I see did what he did in office. Sad, sad, sad. Racial justice now returning to the platform of the Green Party. End police brutality and mass incarceration. Create a Truth and Reconciliation Commission to understand and eliminate the legacy of slavery that lives on as pervasive racism in the economy. Education, housing, and health. Ensure that communities control their police rather than police controlling our communities by establishing police review boards and full-time investigators to look into all cases of death in police custody. Demilitarize the police. Well, you've got me again, Jill. You've got me again. I'm going to finish this part of the show with two more of her uh, tenets that are so important. Peace and human rights. Establish a foreign policy based on diplomacy, international law, and human rights. End the wars and drone attacks Cut military spending by at least 50% and close the 700-plus foreign military bases that are turning our republic into a bankrupt empire. Stop U.S. support and arms sales to human rights abusers and lead on global nuclear disarmament. Hallelujah. Beautiful words. Music to my ears. Empower the people. Abolish corporate personhood. Protect voters' rights by establishing a constitutional right to vote. Enact electoral reforms that break the big money stranglehold and create truly representative democracy. Public campaign financing, ranked choice voting, proportional representation, and open debates. Oh, my God. Sounds familiar, huh? Yeah. We've talked about this once or twice before, huh? That's right. 
exactly. We're talking about changing a mindset, my friends. We're not just talking about changing pieces of paper year after year, pieces of legislation, but we're giving birth to a new way of thinking about who we are as a nation, about who all nations are, about what humanity really is. What is our role on this precious, sacred planet? Are we here to simply compete and this idea of winning when other people lose? Is that really the kind of world we want? I've got to say that Werner Erhard was so on it way back in the late 60s, early 70s with the formation of EST. I've got to say he had some very good mentors um, and they just helped to steer the thinking of people in a responsible, accountable, integrity-based direction. And some got it and some didn't. It's long before Werner, don't get me wrong, but as a relatively speaking modern spokesperson for a way of being on the planet that is healthy, that is helpful, that is useful, that is participatory, that is integrity-based, my hat does come off to him, and uh, credit needs to be given in the right places. So these are the platforms that Dr. Jill Stein is representing, and I've got to say, I haven't found anything yet in the platform with which I do not agree. I may go a little further in a few places and less far in a few other places, that's another kind of conversation for another day. Overall, in general, I am truly behind this, and I want to encourage others to think through what the options are. I know, I know, I know. I can hear it now. Everyone says, what about the spoiler? A vote for Jill means a vote, essentially, for Trump. Oh, hogwash. At the Green Party convention, WBAI was covering it. And I heard David Cobb, the prior Green Party presidential candidate, address that so elegantly. I so appreciated it. One of the main points he made is it's almost as though the vote, our vote, our personal vote, doesn't belong to us. It already hangs on one of the two main parties is sort of in their locker. And then we have to extract it from that locker to make it ours again to give to where we see fit. He didn't use that imagery, but in essence, he was suggesting something like that, that we don't have our own vote in our own pockets. It's actually already out there committed according to our liberal perspectives. And therefore, it would be heading toward the the Democrats. Well, hogwash. No. He He really set the record straight. It's our vote, thank you very much, and I think I will use it as I see fit. It's not a fait accompli at all. And if the Democrats lose, it's because they failed to win enough votes, electoral or popular for that matter. And Ralph Nader very eloquently said something very, very similar recently and way back when, 
when people say, Gore would have won if it weren't for you. Again, hogwash. This is simply patently untrue. Ralph made the point that some 250,000 or so Democrats were voting for G.W. Bush, of which, you know, I don't know, I'm, I'm, I'm messing up the numbers a bit, 50,000 or 60,000 voted for him. So it had nothing to do with him. It's just, it's, it's bizarre thinking. And it's looking for someone to blame. That's all it is, is looking for someone to blame. The fact is, Al Gore won. He just didn't have what it took to stay with the win. He won the popular vote. And had he stuck to it and proven it, it would have shown that he won Florida. And by the way, there were a couple of other uh, um, Chad-ridden states back then, too. And I understand he may have won at least one or two or three of those as well. Those just didn't become as popular as Florida. But Greg Pallast, I refer to him all the time on this subject, and his great book, The Best Democracy Money Can Buy, outlines the fraud in technicolor. So there will be no further question about who won and who was selected and how it happened and the media... Um, blitz and the media uh, manipulation that was absolutely part of it. So you can't tell me about the way these things go. I've been through it too many times, including with Dr. John Hagelin of the Natural Law Party. I saw that also in Technicolor back in the year 2000, not to mention 1996. He, in his case, just became so fed up with the corruption of the system, the duopoly that owns the election. They literally own it. And the big boys control all of it. And politicians are basically relegated to puppets, to varying degrees of strength, puppets, sad as it is. But if you've got a Jill Stein in there, you know what, that would begin to change. Because it changes when the people get engaged. You know what, if Bernie Sanders had won, it would have begun to change too, because he's calling on the people to voice their view. And when that happens, the politicians start to listen. Only when that happens, the politicians begin to listen, because they do want votes. And it could actually outstrip of the corporatocracy. It takes a lot, a lot, but it can happen. Anyway, you've heard my thoughts. There are many more, but this gives you some orientation. Another way of thinking about what it is we're all facing, my friends. And it's all dire. It's all very, very dire. It really is. And historically, I'll leave you with this note. There have always been third-party candidates. If you look into it, you will see that from the beginning, there have been anywhere from two to 12 different parties that have been vying for the 
the presidency. And this idea of two parties is a bizarre one and a weak one. And it doesn't serve the people and it does not serve democracy at all. And I hope and wish that my listeners here would take on a longer view, a historical perspective on understanding what we're dealing with right now, which is virtually an anomaly and a monopoly, both at the same time. And what we need for a democracy to really thrive is many more voices than these two. You know, some said it's really just one party with two different halves. So, look, we have to come back to our humanity. That's what this is really all about. It's not a rat race. It's not a horse race. We should be electing someone who will simply do the job of helping humans be healthy and employed and with access to education, infrastructure, and carry on with their lives as they see fit. That's so much the role of government. And we can do this. It's a far cry from where we are now. But I do want you to remain open and see that you and I have a hand and a voice in all that happens. And things are changing rapidly. And Jill is gaining in the polls. And so is Gary. I think I I think this will be public soon, so I'm not saying something that isn't uh, right, but uh, just because I, you know, know some of the players inside uh, this party, she will be meeting with the Washington Post editorial board, and. This is a fantastic opportunity to gain even more national exposure. And I personally would like to encourage my listeners here to contact CNN, if you can get through, contact MSNBC, contact Channel 13, WNET, contact all of these stations in mainstream media and demand that the third-party candidates be given more airtime, at least as much as the, the two main ones in the horse race, who are both falling apart in their own respective ways. It is therefore more incumbent upon the media to help us get up to speed and educated about what these other candidates have to say. Because you know what? They might be in the debates. We should be demanding that of the Commission on Presidential Debates, a private nonprofit organization owned, wholly owned by the Republican and Democratic parties. Yeah. What happened to the League of Women Voters? Oh, oh, oh. that disappeared a long time ago. And I will refer you to my interview with George Farrah, who wrote a book, F-A-R-R-A-H, who wrote the book No Debate about what happened with that folly and debacle in American democracy going back a few
So it's all here, folks. A lot to learn about the wheels turning of democracy. The good news is that the doors are opening, and let's just continue to pay attention to that and believe in it and have faith that democracy can thrive even under such otherwise seemingly difficult, strenuous, and stressful circumstances. So with that said, tune in again next week. Uh, Jill Stein will be on in an upcoming show rather imminently. Uh, I don't know just when yet. Uh, She's understaffed. If anyone wants to volunteer there, uh, please raise your hand and contact them. I know that they could really use some more help. Uh, They're really doing well, and they just need more people to to manage. So uh, I want to just remind you all that A Better World Foundation is a 501c3. We are a nonprofit. We are able to sustain and thrive based on your kindness and your benevolence and your thoughtfulness about having a better world and having a better world media in your life. So I really appreciate all that you bring forward. If it's donations of more than 500, please contact me directly at mjr at abetterworld.net or by phone 212-420-0800. Know that we have multiple services, stress management, healing, counseling, and coaching services available through MitchellRabin.com, M-I-T-C-H-E-L-L-R-A-B-I-N.com, writing services as well. So just to remind you all, so appreciate your attention to our show every week, and forward this show, if you would, to your friends and family and colleagues and Let them get on the bandwagon and sign up for our weekly newsletter, which is free, uh, announcing our weekly radio and television show here in Manhattan every Monday evening at 7 p.m. So become part of a Better World family, and I look forward to seeing you all next week. (laughs) 